0: Hey, just a reminder that friend of the show and sketch card artist Ben Abusada is giving Rebel Base Card listeners 20% off sketch cards in his Etsy store. If you go to etsy.com slash shop ksgeekman and use the code rebelbasecard, you'll get 20% off of sketch cards. You can find the link in the show notes. All right, let's do the show. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. Only watch a step. This place can be a little rough. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast.
1: What a piece of junk.
0: I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin.
1: He's uh, as clumsy as he is stupid.
0: Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage.
1: No, no, the one I'm pointing to.
0: All the way to current releases.
1: This? Yes, yes.
0: All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Good show for you tonight, as my guest is Ethan Howard, and he is of Coconut Brick Studios. This is a YouTube channel that is dedicated to LEGO Star Wars, and I'll take it straight from his intro here, uh, the ultimate stop for LEGO Star Wars reviews, mocks, comparisons, and more. Filmed with the antenna providing clean entertainment and epic Lego builds. The goal of the channel is to educate you about the amazing Star Wars Lego sets out there and inspire others to get building. Comments and feedback are much appreciated. And I love the tag, happy building. Um, I had connected with him on Instagram last year, I want to say. And, you know, Lego Star Wars is kind of an interesting uh, subgenre, uh, just like cards are um, on as in the Star Wars universe as a whole and I, I follow a number of accounts, and it was just a matter of time. I really wanted to get uh, some of the LEGO folks on, and you know, my goal was not to have him represent the entire LEGO uh, Star Wars community, but it was kind of a chance to get to learn a little more. Uh, one of the things I like and what he does on his YouTube channel is something called Mox. This is my own creation. I really loved that phrase, um, but he did this really wicked uh, Ryloth scene from The Clone Wars, And, you know, like when I get a Lego set, you know, I have a few and you're kind of painstakingly going over the, you know, the instructions trying to kind of make it look like. Uh, But when you're doing these mocks or when you're putting this stuff together, it amazes me and the creativity uh, that goes into these things and uh, just something I wanted to talk to him about. And uh, he was a pleasure to talk to. uh, Just loved it. And uh, I think you're going to love this conversation tonight. Uh, We will get to that in a few minutes. I did want to get some homestead keeping out of the way first, and I'll see you on the other side.
1: You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it.
0: All right, uh, just a couple of things in the Homestead Keeping. Um, One, of course, we do have Chrome uh, Perspectives, Resistance versus the First Order that's out there. I did end up taking a flyer on a base set that had already been uh, broken and released on eBay, as well as picking up a few parallels of one of my personal favorite characters from The Last Jedi, Adrian Edmondson as Captain Peavy. Of course, you've heard me talk about him before. He was in that M- that series that was on MTV years ago called The Young Ones. It was a British uh, comedy series. Really loved him. Uh, great comedian. He's on Twitter as well. I'll put the uh, Twitter handle for him uh, in the show notes as well. But um, uh, once I saw uh, Steven, Star Wars Steven, over at uh, Star Wars Tops Cards on Instagram, uh, break, and I saw the Major Vorag. And I and I saw that Captain PB was going to be in this. I kind of had to take the plunge, um, and it's going to be interesting. And I'll probably get this uh, get to this in a future episode when we talk about is this a set that I'm going to uh, break or is this a set I'm going to bay or I said eBay, um, and, and those are kind of interesting things, different ways to kind of collect. Uh, The cards, different aspects, different ways to kind of approach it. Uh, In this case, I decided to just go ahead and get the set. I kind of wanted it, you know, just for archive purposes. And when you get a complete set off of eBay, you know, it was only going to take about, you know, 10 or 12 pages. Um, I wasn't going to go for the, you know, the the whole uh, concept of, you know, breaking a box and getting a bunch of uh, inserts or partial sets. There were only three insert sets in this. There was one that was a larger one that has 20 cards. And I might go for that uh, to get that as a whole later on. Uh, interestingly enough, the base set on eBay was only tra- trending at around $20, $22. And then that was for the 100-card base set. And then I was seeing some of that that larger insert set also break for about $20 bucks as well. So uh, $40 and you could get 120 of the 150 cards. Not a bad deal. I saw also you could go in there. Uh, I think once you kind of get past a certain point cost wise it probably just would have made sense to get uh close to a box but i i don't believe you get the whole base set in a box which is one of the reasons why with a set i wasn't necessarily putting my 100 percent focus on um picking up a complete set off of ebay it made economical sense it allowed me to still have the cards and enjoy them uh, you don't get it, the sense of cracking them and so when we talk in the future about ways to collect uh, I think going back to this uh, box versus bay or bay versus box, however you want to make it catchy, um, it is going to be a topic we'll probably be revisiting time and time again. Um, I also saw that Adrian Edmondson also had some autograph cards, um, and I picked up one really on the cheap. Uh, this was sort of a out-of-the-blue one. It was obviously from a, someone who broke broke this uh, pack or, or box open. Uh, got it for less than 8 bucks uh, shipped. Uh, it was really, you know, I kind of went in and kind of sniped it. You know, you know, there there I am. Sometimes I snipe stuff on eBay, but that's how you get stuff. Um, I also saw some other autographs, but that was also something I will like I said, talk about in a future episode when we talk about um, how do you want to attack a set? Are, are you going to try to be a completist, try to get the whole thing? Are you going to go for a certain character? You know, are you going to go for an autograph or a sketch card? Uh, I did see some decent deals uh, on sketch cards to be had in there. Um, I almost took a flyer on one my friend uh, Tom Amisi uh, was doing, uh, but I kind of pulled away at the last minute. But uh, I may still chase some of those sketch cards that uh, seem to fall in a a pretty good price range. But yeah, on Chrome perspectives, resistance versus the first order, uh, that's how I decided I was going to go catch it. Uh, You know, sometimes you think, well, I'm going to take a pass, and you kind of look at a couple cards and go... All right, uh, I'm in. I'm in on that one. So, you know, it's me. Not everyone uh, should do this, um, but I did find a way to kind of keep it economical, but I also get the cards and I can enjoy them and I can put them in a binder. I'm even thinking now um, to organize some of these uh, sets that I get through the year that maybe I just take a flyer on the whole set and maybe just do a a binder for that particular year, like a 2020 or 2019, and that way I can kind of go back to release date. As opposed, say, like a Rise of Skywalker, which I still need to break. I have a huge break I've got to do at some point. I've got a lots of cards to break. But let's say on a movie property where you have the Journey to Series 1, and Series 2 Um, If I can get it to fit in a binder, I like that because then I can go and see the whole cards as one if there's room because a lot of times those sets have multiple insert sets and and, uh, parallels and whatnot, and sometimes they just don't fit. But some on these where I'm not going to go for the whole thing, uh, maybe it's nice to kind of get them organized by year, and then that way it also is a reminder of what cards came out in that particular year. If I'm going to kind of go back and kind of take stock of the year in general, this might be a nice way to do it. (laughs) Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. Um, one of the big things that is coming down this week, and you know, it's it's interesting that I am talking to you um, from you know, obviously from behind the mic and from my from my house. Uh, but this week uh, would have been Star Wars Celebration, and some of you I would have been seeing in person. Uh, I did have tickets to go uh, for a couple of days. I would have been in California with a friend of mine, and uh, so we're not doing that uh, because obviously of COVID and uh, a lot of these cons have been canceled or postponed, and which is a huge bummer because uh, if you've been to a Star Wars Celebration or if you're ever thinking about going, I, I do recommend, just because of that that pure, star concentrated Star Wars experience you're getting out of it, all the people you meet. Um, it was one of the reasons why I am doing what I am doing is because I got to go to a Star Wars Celebration in Chicago in 2019, and it was amazing, all the people and uh, things I got to see uh, you know, not just for the exclusive content, but just, 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 to, just to be around it and just to soak it up. Um, so it's interesting that uh, Tops actually is putting together this thing called Digicon 2020, and I think their take on it was is that well they were going to be one of many vendors who were going to be there. Obviously. Um, the Star Wars Authentics, uh, which is run by Tops, also would have been doing a lot of uh, you know autograph signings and having uh, you know uh, pictures that you could pick up and have signed or just autograph pictures and at their booth. Um, but they have turned uh, some of that into a digital event that's going to go over from the 27th to, through the 30th. And interestingly enough, they're going to go across. Excuse me. They're going to go across their digital properties, and you know, you may not be into the Star Wars card trader or some of the other digital apps. Um, I have both feed in uh, several of the apps, just because I can't contain myself on it. Um, but I did uh, like the fact that they are going to have content across the apps. Uh, some of that's going to be um, not behind, let's say, a pass, because I also see that they're offering. A, a Digicon pass that kind of kind of gets you another level of content that they are putting out. But I, I do believe that there will be content in all the apps that go across those four days uh, that you don't necessarily have to pay anything for. Uh, it'll just be available. And what's interesting is is that um, Mark and Gabby on uh, From Tops are are now streaming occasionally on Twitch. I will put that link in the show notes. Uh, they just started up that channel. And I think what they're doing is they're going to be doing some watch parties uh, featuring The Mandalorian um, and as well as some of the other ones, uh, some of the other content. And so it's kind of a way to interact with folks. So you could have the Twitch stream running on one device or you know on your computer, or whatnot, and you can be interacting in the app. Uh, so I kind of like that little bit back and forth. Um, you know, like Twitch obviously has a chat room and so forth, uh, just like other things when when you go live. Um, but it is kind of a nice way to you know, we can commiserate that uh, celebration's not going to happen, or we can kind of make the best of it. Uh, we know that some of these other virtual cons, they've had announcements and so forth, and and you can get ready for your pre-orders, what you're going to do. Um, but uh, it is a nice way to kind of invigorate a little life into the app and kind of give us something to look forward to. Um, uh, Tops did put out information in the apps themselves, and each app has its own pass. So if you are a, you know, whether it's Disney, or Marvel, or you know, Bunt or whatnot, um, if you are into those those particular apps, uh, as I kill the aircon, if you're into those particular apps, um, like I said, I may just focus on Star Wars. I may also focus on Disney, too, as well, um, or, or Marvel or Bunt, just kind of depending upon where I want to kind of uh, spend my time on it. Um, but it's nice because there's a little bit for everything there. Um, I'll read from some of their official... Uh, releases so far because some of the information i've seen has been kind of been peppered out uh, over the different uh, over the different parts of the interwebs um, but let's go back to first um, first thing you probably see if you're in the star Wars card trader app is the digicon insider pass uh, let me just kind of read from this and i'll kind of go through it um, basically, it says they're on sale now in the app. Head over to the store and pick up an Insider Pass, which will give users 600 crystals and access to inc- exclusive content, as well as other bonus credits each day in Star Wars Card Trader. And I want to make this clear. An Insider Pass is not required to interact with the standard Digicon content or watch parties. So it, it does open up some other things, but you don't need to. So uh, I went ahead and bought the DigiPass. I want to say it was a couple bucks. I've been in, I've been in, you know, with both feet uh, in the Star Wars Card Trader app. So it's really, you know, two bucks was not a big deal for me. But I get it if it's not, if it's not, um, what you're kind of looking for. But at any rate, um, and let me go on to read. The collector conventions are traditionally a great way for us to interact directly with our fans. This is from Tops. But the impossibility of meeting in person this year created an opportunity for, for our portfolio of apps to shine. And for us to engage digitally with our fans in this unique way for the first time, and this is from uh, Tobin Lent. He is a VP and Global General Manager of Digital at TOPS. All TOPS digital apps are featured in this unique in-home experience and accessible to everyone globally. We can't wait to bridge the distance between fan and creator with digital collectibles that replace or that replicate the existing experience. Of visiting show floor booths. Now, interesting enough, they have uh, they have enlisted this artist, uh, Kevin John, and this says featuring original art from Disney master artist Kevin John. Star Wars card trader will premiere exclusive original paintings on the opening day of DigiCon. This is the twenty seventh. Join us in the evening on the DigiCast with your hosts, Mark and Gabby, Found that on Twitch, as they interview K- uh, KJ about his style, inspirations, and keep an eye out for special surprises and giveaway. Almost sounds like a podcast, right? Um, and it goes on to talk a little more about this Kevin John. Uh, which I found kind of interesting. Never limiting his style or subject matter, Kevin John has been commissioned to create art for some of the biggest brands in the world. He is currently under contract with Walt Disney Company as a digital master artist, commissioned to create theme park exclusive art for sale in the art of Disney galleries and gift shops at Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland. In July of 2018, Kevin John realized a lifelong dream and accepted a contract from Lucasfilm to create fine art-based art. On the Star Wars film series, I do like this uh, because it does get more original art in Star Wars Card Trader. Uh, if we talked with, if you listened to our previous episode with uh, Brandon uh, for the lead uh, graphic designer for Star Wars Card Trader, um, we we did talk about uh, getting more sketch art, uh, more original art in the app. I like this trend. However, they do it, I would love to see them open it up uh, to get more artists in there because I think that would make. Uh, Star Wars Card Trader even better when you're kind of getting some original content in there, uh, some exclusives to it, and make it kind of similar to the physical trading where we have these uh, these artists that we follow and you get to see their work and uh, more avenues for them. I am all about this, so I am I'm very, very happy that they're doing this. Uh, once again, uh, they are going to be doing a watch party of the Mandalorian season one, uh, they're kind of like getting ready for Mandalorian season two, and I do believe on the twenty seventh they're going to be doing the a watch party for the first two shows of season one. I it sounds to me like probably over the course of those days, um, it doesn't say this, but it sounds like they're probably going to be doing two episodes a day, um, and they're probably doing some watch parties. I think it looks to me when I look at over some of the other apps. Um, each day is kind of getting a uh, focus on a different app. But I do think that there'll be uh, these watch parties throughout. And it would be kind of fun if you are a fan of The Mandalorian or if you were looking for an excuse to go back in and, you know, watch these shows and have the Card Trader app going at the same time. I could think of worse things to do on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. And we're all at home. So something to kind of keep us occupied. And, you know, for uh, folks who kind of follow along when we do the Card Squadron uh, thing, you know, I'll b- try to be putting out... Uh, as much info, redirecting, retweeting information to kind of keep you updated. Uh, Once again, if you uh, follow me on Twitter, at RebelBaseCard, I'll try to give you, keep giving the information I have. I'll probably uh, highlight some cards that I get. Um, You know, it's one of those things where a lot of folks, hey, I'm working during X amount of time, but uh, join in as much as you can. Um, If you kind of follow the hashtag CardSquadron on Twitter, uh, you'll see me post a lot of things, and I'll refer to folks uh, that we go back and forth with. Uh, It's a fun fun group that we're in. Um, and if you're on Star Wars Card Trader, come on, get with us. And uh, we can, you know, it's a great place to kind of trade and interact uh, some good Star Wars folks. Um, so yes, um, there's probably going to be more information that you're going to see in the app. So I recommend, um, if you haven't got Twitch, I had Twitch, but I had not really played with it too much. I, I am going to kind of uh, kind of create an account and kind of keep an eye on the DigiCast. I kind of like that and uh, kind of keep an eye on what uh, Mark and Gabby are doing. Um, And also keeping an eye on the Star Wars Card Trader app as more of this information is coming down. Um, When I am thinking about uh, what to do between now and then, um, there are some sets in there that I am still chasing, but I'm trying to conserve as much credits and or crystals as possible because I know over a period of four days if you're not careful, it could get kind of expensive. So what I would recommend doing is, like I said, if you're in the app or you're interested, um, definitely check us out on card squadron and that way you can get everybody's, uh, usernames. And then if we're all chasing together, then we can kind of help each other out and maybe mitigate some of the credit costs or crystal costs on this. I, I like to think, uh, that I can mitigate some of this, but, um, uh, thank you for allowing me to talk a little bit about Digicon. I am excited about it. I'm excited about seeing some original art from, uh, Kevin John and, uh, and I know that, you know, when we've seen the Empire Strikes Back, as well as the new Hope Watch Party, uh, they are tweaking these things so that it's not such a strain because some of these apps are all on the same server. And if if one gets pounded, they all tend to get pounded together. So one of the things that I'll also be watching is how well the apps respond to a lot of traffic across all the apps. Uh, so it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, and I think I also, if I haven't mentioned already, I did put in a... Pre-order in for the Star Wars uh, the Holocron physical set that is due uh, to release in September. Um, It was one of those. It's a larger 200 card base set. Um, But when I was kind of going back and forth about what I wanted to do, where I kind of wanted to put some of my money on the physical side, I kind of chose that over Chrome, and it was about the same cost per box. Um, But it might be something I kind of wanted to take a look at. And also remember, if we don't have another physical set until November, the Mandalorian. Uh, season 1 set that uh, I would recommend if you are interested. Go ahead and put those pre-orders in now. And that way you can have those cards at the ready. That's going to be a big set. We're going to talk about this a lot. You've heard me talk about it over over time. Uh, we're going to have some guests on they are going to talk about it. Uh, so this is one of those things where if you're kind of getting back in, um, keep an eye on the feed, keep an eye on the podcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram as we kind of get going. And uh, it should be fun uh, collecting together. So much more fun than collecting as one. All right, we'll get back into my interview with Ethan from the Coconut Brick Studios, and I'll see you on the other side. We're in attack position now, sir. Hold here. We're not going to attack. I have my orders from the Emperor himself. He has something special planned for him. We only need to keep him from escaping. One of the things that I, it's kind of funny, this is a chicken and the egg kind of question, um, but what comes first with you, Star Wars or Lego.
1: That's that's funny. I, I knew you were going to ask that question and I, I've been thinking about it for a while because it's a question, you know, I ask myself all the time, um, like, oh, if there was no Lego, would I be into Lego Star Wars? If there's no Star Wars, would I be into Lego? Because they're so intermixed for me. Uh, but I would have to say based on, you know, uh, childhood Lego did come first. Uh, my first Lego set was a, a Arctic Explorer set. So it wasn't Star Wars, just kind of this random little base in the snowy hills. And from there, uh, I went on just collecting whatever Lego I could. And then when I was eight, I actually bought my first Lego set. It was the Anakin's Jedi Interceptor from Star Wars Episode Three, And that's when I really fell in love with Star Wars. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then my parents gave me the Lego Star Wars AT-AT that next year for Christmas. And I just... I was blown away that was uh, it was a thousand pieces which isn't a whole lot for me now but you know at eight years old that's quite a hefty set to put together it took me about three days but um, I would say from there I definitely morphed into more of the Star Wars end of things um, as a kid I wasn't able to get a whole lot of Star Wars because it's a licensed theme with Lego they tend to be more expensive and so I got a lot of the cheaper non licensed theme sets. And so like mock building, like which what you see on my channel now, didn't start until I was an adult. Um, that's when I really had the time and income to be able to really dive in and kind of fulfill my passions on that end.
0: So, you know, on the one hand I can see like most parents, even like myself, you know, like I you know, I've bought my my share of Legos for kids. But, you know, on the one hand, you know, I'm sure the parents any parent loves Getting a toy in front of a kid that they have to kind of build, you know, a that that keeps them occupied. B uh, gives them something tactile to feel and build. But I, do your parents? Do you think they really were quite expecting like what you what what kind of transpired, or your your passion for it? Do you think they were really you know, like expecting you to be that that you know that that in, hooked into them?
1: No, no, definitely not. Yeah, in the beginning, you know, they bought me just a few sets, and it turns into. I didn't have any other toys. I didn't want to do anything else. Like they're definitely very happy, very excited, you know, that I wasn't playing video games or out making trouble. But they definitely did not expect me to take to Legos as much as I did because I'm the oldest of seven kids. And out of all the kids, we all love Legos and enjoy them. But I'm definitely kind of the most obsessed out of the bunch.
0: What is it about the Lego that you that really hooked you?
1: Um, Being able to create and build like I'm not a good drawer. I'm not terribly good at telling stories or making music, but I've always just loved putting bricks together and thinking of a scene in my mind and then being able to go out on a table and then put it together and then then build it. That's kind of how I tell my stories, how I paint my pictures. Basically the the medium that I really felt like I was I could excel at and something that I really loved i also really enjoy problem solving and that's a big Mm. thing with legos you know i have okay i want to make this vehicle or build this kind of mountain or this tree i have these parts how can i make that happen and so just the creative process of thinking through what parts i have and just being able to create with what i have and then create something out of nothing has just always been so intriguing to me the you
0: know especially if you said coming from from seven kids uh, if you're the oldest So that had to be a management issue for you as far as if I wanted to build something and either keep keep my brothers and sisters from getting (laughs) into it, destroying it, taking a piece. How did you, you know, and, and you're also kind of growing up at the same time. How did you how did you kind of handle that as far as either having something that I want to keep or when you were done with it, did you just take it apart right away?
1: Um, so yeah that was definitely a struggle. I had one set in particular the uh, Clone Turbo Tank or Juggernaut you see it in Star Wars episode 3. It's got all the giant wheels. I had I got, I'd gotten that one for my birthday. It was like my all-time favorite set and one of my brothers in particular had taken a liking to it and he destroyed it like three or four times before I finally just I'd had it and so I kind of I had these big plastic containers and I put most of my collection away under my bed for a <laughs> few months just to hide it, you know, just frustrated that they're being taken apart so I was definitely I'd say it was just a constant battle of keeping them out of my room you know I built stuff for them they had their own Legos so I was trying to just draw a line in the sand of like look you have these Legos I have these Legos I had I definitely like to keep mine built I like to display a lot Mm -hmm. of them and see behind me and so I didn't really like to take them apart As I've gotten older and I've started building more mocks, I've started to steal pieces from different sets for, you know, if I have a mock that I need parts for and I don't have time to order them in or I'm just making a concept of something, I'll borrow some pieces. But for the most part, I tried to keep them complete. Um, Now, you know, mock was a
0: term that I hadn't until pretty much recently went and kind of looked at. But can you explain, like, maybe um, the concept of the mock and where you kind of came first to find it? Because I'm assuming you probably looked for things that weren't already designed that you could start putting together. So talk to me about your journey into the mock.
1: Yeah. So, um, as a kid, I didn't really watch a whole lot of YouTube, you know, we weren't really a, uh, technology wasn't encouraged in my house. And so I didn't know about Lego star Wars YouTube channels. I didn't know that was a thing. And then as an adult, I kind of started to discover it and I, people kept saying this word like, Oh, mock, like you build mocks. And I was like, what is it? So I looked it up and it stands for my own creation. So basically just an acronym and it can refer to a custom vehicle you built, some kind of minifigure you made, a landscape, a scene, a diorama, whatever you want to call it. Basically just, you know, a creation of yours. And um, a couple of years ago, I kind of started getting back into Lego. So from about the age of 14 to about 22, I had kind of stopped buying Lego, you know, got busy with life. That's a pretty uh, dynamic time period, you know, going through lots of change and stuff and so I started getting back into Lego and I bought a couple of kits and I started watching these YouTubers and some of them were building these mocks and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I would like to do that one day. But um, when I started my YouTube channel, I actually had no intention of building mocks on it. It was just going to be a review channel, you know, basically buying sets, reviewing them, helping people decide like, oh, is this something I want or not? I, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, oh, my mocks aren't good enough. Like, I don't think I'll be able to put something out there that people will enjoy but um it was just it was too much of a temptation to just you know build a mock and put it out there and so i started doing it a little bit by little and those ended up being my most popular videos every time and so gradually from there i just slowly the mocks got bigger and bigger and more complex until here we are today i've built uh, my last mock had about 25,000 pieces in it jeez so when you start doing that you know one of the things i know from
0: You know, everybody thinks, especially when you're buying a ton of Legos or especially when you got a lot of loose pieces, that you'd have enough, too. And when you start trying to build something like, hey, you know what? I want to try to build something that gets today. You kind of find, well, I either don't have enough pieces or I need enough of this. Or, you know, if you're fortunate, enough, you make that run to the Lego store and and you start putting together. Where do you start, like, if you're trying to, to do this stuff, what's the best resource to try to get pieces now? Especially, like, even with your Ryloth, you had a ton of that same color, Mm -hmm. Like, where do you start breaking into that? Because I'm I'm sure you could probably go down a very expensive rat hole if you're not careful.
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of people think, you know, I'm either really rich or just really terrible with my money with the amount of spending I do. But lucky enough for me, um, there's a website called BrickLink, and and it's basically a bulk – parts website. So you can go on there and you can look up the serial number of a part or if you know the part name and there's all these individual sellers. So it's almost like eBay in a way. You know how everybody has their own individual stores Mm -hmm. and you can go visit their store and you can look at their inventory and see what kind of bricks you have. And then you can put together carts and then basically buy any amount of any kind of part that you can find. So that's where I get most of mine for cheap because a lot of those parts are used or Even if they're not used, they're still fairly cheap because you're buying in bulk. So I don't have to, you know, go out and buy a Lego set every time I need to increase my parts. I can go, I can go onto this website called Bricklink and look up, you know, dark tan is what I used a lot in Ryloth. So I Mm -hmm. looked up a lot of dark tan parts. And then from that point, it's basically just going through different stores and figuring out, all right, whose store has the most amount of pieces that I need and then buying from them. And then I do my best to try and coordinate my build. So I'm thinking ahead, like, all right, I'm building Ryloth now, but I have a different one coming up, so I'm gonna look for parts for that one too while I'm in this store to try and maximize the amount of parts I can get with the shipping. Yeah,
0: because that's the,
1: you know, it's something. And I'd almost say it's
0: akin to So walk with me on this one. So for example, like my my daughter started collecting Pokemon cards, and as a card guy, I'm like, I'm all for this. So you know she gets the binder and everything like that. And I'm sure with the sets, right? So you get stuff built and even though you're buying a, ton, you're even though, like you're buying a ton of cards, you're buying Lego. It's like you still want to be able to like put together a deck, or you still want to put together. So it's like, you you get all these sets, and it's almost like, even when I put that money into it, it's almost like you're taking money out of circulation. Because it's like, well, like you're talking about like taking like a piece here and there, but yeah. then you know I'm sure the completest maybe in you or the you know if you have a little OCD, you go I can't you know that 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 thing's not complete or how am I ever going to get that thing back together if I was going to get rid of it. So there's got to be this tug of war between the amount of Lego that you have that, you know, that there's stuff that has to be like off limits. Like, man, I can't touch those, but darn it. I need that. You know, does that, do you ever have this little internal battle with yourself over
1: pieces? Oh yeah. that That's the constant struggle over here. I have a, I have a couple of sets. So I have a uh, ultimate collector series, star destroyer, it's about 4,000 pieces and it's about four feet long. Uh, that's kind of like one of the crown jewels of my collection. So, yeah, that one is absolutely hands-off unless I absolutely need a piece. Like, if I'm truly desperate, I'll pop one off. But there are a few sets that I try not to uh touch just because, like you said, the inner OCD in me is just, you know, constantly in the back of mind, like, hey, you got to order new parts for that set so you can make it complete again. And um, it's also – it's definitely a battle – um, trying to draw the line between buying sets and buying parts because I love to buy sets. I like to display them, review them, you know, put them in my mocks. But uh, on the other hand, every all the money I put towards sets, that's money not going towards my mocks, which are kind of becoming the main theme of my channel. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is trying to figure out, OK, am I going to start buying more parts now and less sets? Because I just I don't use the sets a whole lot. They're great to collect, but I'm also running out of room right now in my studio. <laughs> And so I think for now I might be pausing on getting a, a whole bunch of sets. I have a lot of the sets that I want. There are definitely still ones out there, but for now I've decided to kind of mostly go into buying parts and minifigures and stuff like that from MOX.
0: I would say you'd probably have to be a pretty, um, pretty good read on the types of sets that LEGO has put out for Star Wars. Like they just celebrated, um, it was either last year or before, 20 years of Star Wars LEGO. Um, yeah. From the time you started picking up to now, how do you think they've done as far as putting together sets and figures and whatnot, the progression? have you, has, has it been a good progression or
1: a regression? So um, there's been a little bit of both. So from 1999 to about 2013, there was just astronomical improvement, right? The sets that came out in 1999, that was the first year LEGO release sets were just uh, they were not great. nothing against Lego. you know, they had just started a new line. They didn't have a whole lot of pieces back then. but since then, yeah, their designers have done an incredible job of making the sets look more accurate and a lot bigger. Um, in my opinion since two thousand about two thousand and fifteen, um Lego has started to downscale the size of their sets. so while still increasing the price just because of inflation and just you know the bigger a company gets the more they can start to charge what they' selling because people will buy it and so their sets have started to get a little bit smaller and just in my opinion not as good as they used to be and so i actually haven't been buying a lot of their sets that come out recently typically when i buy sets i'll go on ebay or bricklink that i was talking about earlier and i'll hunt for the older ones that came out back in like 2010 to 2015 but they're definitely getting their designers are really improving with the pieces that they have and as far as minifigures they're doing a really good job of um putting different kinds of prints. So in the beginning, they really only put prints uh, on the torso. So you could see like if they were wearing robes, a little bit of detailing on the pants, maybe like a holster on Han Solo or something. But now we're getting to the point where we have detailing on the arms, on the back of the torso, on the feet. So they're they're definitely transitioning over from like building the biggest set you can to kind of building the most detailed set with the most detailed figures. One of
0: the things I've noticed you know, in you know, for example, I remember during the second or third season of you know rebels going back, and they released that you know when they released the 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 Ghost and the Phantom, which for me is still one of my holy grail pieces, and it's amazing that the 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 value it goes up a it's the only set where you got Zeb you can buy Zeb separately, but Zeb's gonna run you but you mm-hmm. know it, does it surprise you about some sets? that for you know whatever reason you know go go really high in value and what do you think makes a Lego set one Lego set you know skyrocket in value and others maybe not so much
1: yeah that i see that all the time in fact there um <clears throat> because lego tends to remake sets after a while so you'll get a set that comes out in 2000 for example the uh clone walker the ATTE They released one in 2002, 2008, 2013. So you get multiple releases of a certain set, but then you get to sets like you were talking about, like the Ghost, or like the, uh, there's a couple of Clone Wars sets that have only been released once. And if a set's only been released once, it typically tends to get really, really expensive because people have to buy that set instead of waiting for LEGO to re re-re- to re-release it. And another thing that plays a big factor is what's going on currently with uh, pop culture, like TV shows, movies. So, for example, um, like when the Rebels came out and Rebels got popular again, the Rebels sets went. Up in price, and then this past year, uh, Disney just redid—or not redid—but Disney just released episode or season seven of the Clone Wars. And with the release of season seven of the Clone Wars, all the Clone Wars sets went up in price. They just spiked massively, as well as any set that had Ahsoka Tanu because she's kind of, you know, I don't want to say the main focus of that last season, but she was definitely one of the most popular characters to come out of Season 7. And they hadn't released an Ahsoka Tanu minifigure in a long, long time. So now you have all these people who are suddenly interested in Clone Wars again, who all want an Ahsoka figure in their collection. But the last one to be released was like, you know, seven years ago. So that caused a lot of sets to spike in price. And something also as, you
0: you know, when you... One of the things I like about sometimes collecting the smaller, either the, you know, either the, the mini ones or the poly bags as I like, you know, cause you, you know, as a parent, you're always making a target runner, this or that, but it always seems to like, there's never a rhyme or reason where a poly bag or some, you know, little promo fig comes out of nowhere and then it's gone. Like, especially, you know, when we still had Toys R Us or, and so forth, um, that's that's always the logic behind those has always escaped me and so I don't want to have you speak for Lego, but does that kind of surprise you when you see these little the little poly ones out of the out of nowhere and you go, Okay, they've picked an obscure character or this isn't you know, this is a, a promo exclusive and then does that also drive like, well I should probably get that because it's it's small and you can easily pick up. How do you feel about some of the looser pieces of the smaller sets?
1: Yeah, definitely that's uh that's something that's always perplexed me because typically I um, what intrigues me the most about Lego is building the sets the vehicles so I I've never been a huge fan of the minifigures like I have a fairly large collection and I really enjoy collecting them but that's not my main focus and so when I see these polybags that are you know when they release they're like 2 3 dollars now they're going for like 80 to 100 US dollars <laughs> like it, it blows my mind because I can't comprehend paying that much for a minifigure but there are a couple like he, um Darth Revan from Knights of the Old Republic his polybag is worth just an obscene amount of money as well as there's an old Boba Fett minifigure. He comes in all white armor. He's kind of, he's been nicknamed the white Boba Fett in the, the Lego star Wars community. His poly bag is worth a lot and there really is no explanation other than, you know, it's a cool minifigure as to why it's, they're paying so much. So it's almost like, you know, we as a community decide how much is something, how much something's worth based on who's paying for what. And we're all willing to pay so much for this minifigure.
0: Yeah, which makes me happy that I do have that Darth Revan figure, and that was one of those I scratched my head going, There's no reason why anyone who shops at Target <laughs> should know who Darth Revan is, let alone why did they make it you know, who 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 decided some someone got this through and like, hey, you know, they, they, they bought it, let's put it in there. Um, <laughs> right. but yeah, that's one of those where you know you kinda look at it. Um, yeah, I know one of the last one of the last ones I was very happy I got from Resistance, I have I have Kaz and Bucket. Because uh, oh. someone was selling it, well, someone on eBay was selling it loose, and I just one of those where you kind of have. And I, you know, what surprises me is that I have um, Ninjago of all things had the best display cases when they were selling them, and uh, because there really wasn't a great little display case for Legos. You'd think that that Lego Store, and I think I've ran it on this before. You think they would be all over this because there are collectors, even if it's not like a minifigure or something to go. Well, you know. You know that a good chunk of the people that are coming into your stores are probably collectors. You should right. at least dedicate a little bit of space to go here if you're looking, but it's very hard to find anything to display. Not even not even uh, imagining what if you are doing something on a on a mock scale where even if you want to keep it up for a while, one of the things I've known about keeping, you know, Legos out if they're not under plastic or something is boy do they collect dust fast. And then oh, cleaning yeah. them has to be another another but a nightmare. Um, but yeah, the, how do you like, you know, obviously we just see the boxes behind, but what is your kind of your, what's your process as far as when you are displaying them or how do you keep them either clean? How do do you, do you dust? Do you have a, do you have a regimen as far as like kind of keeping them from, from kind of getting, you know, dusty looking?
1: Um, that's kind of, yeah, I'm kind, it's kind of a work in progress for me. I've never had a collection this large, you know, it's the biggest it's ever been right now. And so I have kind of behind me, I have two large black shelves that are just crammed full of all kinds of vehicles and ships. And so the ones down on the bottom don't really get dusty just because there's shelves above them. So that it's harder for the dust to fall down on top of them, but the, the row on top that doesn't have any shelving above it gets really dusty. And so I have a, a, a paintbrush and a really nice uh, dusting rag that I use. And so I kind of run, run the dusting rag over and get some of the larger patches. And then I'll go in with the paintbrush. And then you have to go in, in between all of the individual studs. Because for some reason, just wiping <laughs> the towel across the top isn't enough. You have to actually get in there with a Q-tip or a paintbrush and just brush it all away. And so it's, it's a pretty time-consuming process. Um, last time I did it, I actually did a live stream on YouTube, which helped make it a little bit easier. Cause you know, I was able to sit there and talk to people and answer questions and kind of show off my collection a little bit. But other than that, it's kind of just putting in the time, you know, doing the work.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, that's probably something that, that hadn't necessarily occurred to you until you kind of got it up to speed where yeah, you're going to have to dedicate some time, not just to building, but just to cleaning like any, like any hobby collector. You're like, Oh, I guess <laughs> this is what I'm doing today, all day today
1: yeah yeah and definitely because as a kid you know you don't care that much if your sets get dusty and on top of that sometimes your stuff doesn't even stay built long enough to stay to get dusty and so yeah it was definitely it was a decision i had to make because for a while i just let them get dusty because i'm like you can't see from the camera people can't really (laughs) videos and nobody really comes into here but then after a while just it just got to me as a collector you just want to see your stuff clean and, um, I do sell stuff on occasion and I like to make sure I'm, I'm giving the best product possible. I hate it when I get a set from somebody and it's dirty and there's dirt and food all over it. And so I try to keep, keep my stuff clean in order, in case I ever do end up selling it, it'll be a, pr- a quick takedown process.
0: Something that, you know, when you're getting into working with mocks, you know, I, I can see the appeal of, of Legos of that structure that some you know, collectors. Some builders appreciate and like where you know there's. It goes, but it's it's exactly this. You know, I I start here. It's going to end here, no matter what. You know, uh, but you know the the, the mock builder really kind of takes it to another level, and it's kind of interesting how these two maybe you know they're they're both into Legos, but they're two probably drastically different kinds of of builders. Um, if you are if you were wanting to get I mean, getting into mock um what are some of the some what are some of the things that you kind of get started with what uh, what would you advise or like is this something for everyone
1: yeah um it's definitely it's definitely something for a lot of people you know what i do as people will look at it and be like oh i could never do that but if you take a look you know at the beginning of my channel my early mocks like they're so simple like there's a base plate down uh the first mock i ever put on my channel was the scene from star wars episode four where uncle owen and uh, um, luke by c3po and r2d2 from the group of jawas on that sand crawler so it was just a sand crawler the minifigures and then i built a tiny house And so really it's just starting with what you have. Um, You can go to pretty much any Walmart target and store and pick up a base plate and then you can set your setup on it. And then it kind of starts with that. Like you have a set and you want to recreate a scene from the movie. And so you put your minifigures where you remember they go. Maybe you watch the scene from the movie a couple of times. And, And then from there you kind of start, you accumulate loose pieces as you buy more sets and as you take apart sets. And it's really just a gradual process of practicing. Like it's, it's something that it just comes with time and then obviously if you want to get really serious into it, you can look into uh, – the Lego store has a thing called a pick-a-brick wall where they have a wall mm-hmm. full of bulk parts. You, you know, you can go fill your cup and whatever, fill your bin and then you can also go into BrickLink and you can order in parts. But when you're really getting into like serious big mocks, kind of like what I do, I would advise you know watching the scene from the movie, buying lots of books – I have books uh, about different scenes, so you get different uh, pictures from battles. And then I also have books that are kind of cross-sections. They're called incredible cross-section books where they, you know, go inside different vehicles and ships. You can look at interiors, exteriors, and all that kind of stuff.
0: And it also probably plays into knowing which are better pieces for different types of, let's say if you're doing terrain like with your Ryloth, like in, in that one where you had... You know, the scale walls like Ryloth, the, the scene from Ryloth and the Clone Wars where, you know, they have to uh, they're on the is it the planet of the Twi'leks where they had to kind of hold yeah. off the, the one Jedi master is trying to hold off uh, until help arrives. And, the, you know, um, but, you know, so you're building that valley. How do you know which pieces then uh, fit the best for that particular scene?
1: Um that's a combination of experience, knowing like, okay, these types of pieces work best for making a mountain, as well as researching other builders. Um, I have a lot of YouTubers that I follow. I look up tons and tons of mocks online. So I look up different mocks, see like, okay, this guy is using this piece. I've never seen that used before on a mountain, but I think it looks really cool. And so it's just putting in the field work of researching, like looking up, okay. I'm looking up mocks that have mountains in them or mocks that have this and then just taking a look. And then a lot of it has to do with um, just kind of how your mind works. Like my mind you know, I see a piece and I automatically think, okay, I could use this piece for that. I, mm. my previous job while I was going to school was framing houses. And so I spent a lot of time outside and I would look around me, there'd be fields and trees and, you know, you'd have giant dirt piles. And I would just think in my head, like, okay, if I was building that in Lego, like what kind <laughs> of pieces would I use? How would I go about doing that? And so it's just kind of immersing yourself with your collection and knowing what you have and, um, just practicing and knowing, cause Honestly, like there are certain pieces that work better, but I could have built those hills with like three or four different kinds of techniques and it still probably would have turned out good. So a lot of it is just what I have and just knowing my collection.
0: In the case with the Ryloth one, did you draw it out first or did you, how did you give your, or did you
1: just have it in your head the whole time? So that one, I typically do draw them out the bigger ones just to help my get my bearings. But for this one I did, I tried out a new technique that I don't really do a whole lot and it's called free form building. So instead of building on like square base plates that you can buy at the store, I built the base of the mock myself using plate. And so I wasn't really able to draw it out because I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to look like. Like I had pictures from the scene. I'd taken some screenshots, uh, watched the clip on YouTube. And so I kind of looked at that and then built a base So kind of put layers of plate down and arranged it in kind of the the way I wanted to make the terrain look right. And then from there, I kind of just, yeah, I really had to go off what was in my head. This one was a really tough mock for me because I just didn't have a lot to go off of other than those pictures that I had from the scene.
0: So, yeah, and then you not only have to think about it from how it looks, but like you said, in doing the base plate, you know you have to make sure it stays together so obviously something else that probably experience does is like when you're putting that together is like if i have to move this around or do i have to you know if i'm building it big enough you know you also have to think of not only the aesthetics of it but i guess also the construction and you know just how it fits together so it doesn't just break apart in your hand
1: yeah definitely that was a, a big thing for this mock Um, You just have to know like, okay, I can't stack plate on top of each other I have to interlock the plate and slowly go up from there to create a good strong base plate and then same with the mountains if I were to just stack a bunch of pieces on top of each other, even if I just tapped it with my finger, I would be able to push the side of the mountain in. So you have to interlock (laughs) bricks, you know, you have to do all kinds of stuff to make sure it's structurally there because there are people who build mocks that are, you know, three to four times the size of mine and they're able to take them apart and move them to conventions and stuff just because they've built it in a way that it becomes modular, where you can take it apart into different pieces and then reassemble it once you get to your destination.
0: Yeah, that kind of goes off on a on a side question of uh, of lugs. Do you belong to a lug?
1: No, I don't belong to any lugs. I've people have invited me to them. Um, the main reason I don't join lugs right now is just because I'm very much building in my in my time and my basically what time I have, what money I have, and I don't want to you know commit to a lug and then not be able to go to places or be able to really um, interact with lug members. And I kind of just like being on my own right now kind of doing my own thing but i do really think they do some cool stuff like the
0: lugs are cool one of the things that you know, i noticed and then you had another video where you were finishing up the ryloth mock but you were also you know streaming it and so that also brings in another aspect of now you're you know you're committing this to youtube but you're also sort of inviting an audience does does that help or does that make, does it make it go that you know 10 times longer how how have you kind of managed that
1: yes so it definitely makes it um, 10 times harder you know <laughs> to do any kind of mock um even from my videos i have to learn how to make building a mock entertaining right because if i just sat there and you know put pieces <laughs> on top of each other and then you know ended the video nobody wants to watch that so i really have to learn how to articulate what's in my head in a way that people will not only in, enjoy but also understand And so that's been a big uh, process for me right now is learning like, okay how do I make this fun? How do I make this entertaining? Because, yeah, there are people watching just for the Lego aspect, but there are a lot of people who watch my videos because, you know, they think they're fun. They think they're entertaining and, you know, they learn stuff. And so it's hard because with mock building, you have to really sit there and think and just kind of work work on a, a section. Okay, that didn't work, I got to take it apart. Whereas when I'm streaming, I have to also interact with my audience, You know, answer questions, make sure I'm talking and be interactive. And so that creates a, a big challenge because I can't just sit there and think, which is what I usually do. I have to uh, kind of have half my brain on the mock and then half my brain on the stream and then kind of make those two halves work together. So
0: in some cases, before you go live, you probably have to figure out as this is probably as it's as it evolved. You probably have to figure out, here's what I can probably accomplish in X time, allowing for yourself to interact with without getting frustrated that you can't finish.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, If I'm. If I'm like in the early prototype stages of a mock, I won't stream too much of it because that's a lot of me thinking, getting on the computer, looking at concept art. But if there's a stage where I'm like, okay, I've just built the front half of this hill. Now I have to build the back half, which is just stacking a bunch of bricks or I have to just lay down a bunch of plants. Just really simple, monotonous tasks like uh, with my first mock, I built the Battle of Naboo from Star Wars Episode One. I had four thousand grass pieces that I had to lay down, which. You know, that's not super challenging. It's not a very technical aspect of building a mock, but boy, did it take forever. And so it was during, during times like that, it's nice to be able to be on a stream because you can kind of just tune out of what you're doing and then just lay down the grass while still talking to people.
0: And also, I think it's another balance between um, now, do you allow it you know, like when you when the community or when you're when your your groups are watching you? do you allow for them to, I mean, obviously they're going to give their opinions on things, but do you, you know, like I can imagine some builders go, no, this is my vision. I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way. That's really cute, but no. But do you allow for a little bit of input from, you know, the folks who are watching or commenting along to kind of feel like, you know, they're, they're a part of it. Is
1: that, is that uh, part of the plan? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's one thing. I don't want to say I pride myself, but one thing I'm very, uh, passionate about is making sure i get people involved and making sure the people who watch my videos feel like they're an important part of my community because i greatly respect and appreciate everybody and you who watch and support my stuff and so I, i make it a point in all my videos to say like all right make sure you let me know what you think if there's anything you would change anything you would do differently and i don't always listen obviously i don't do everything that everybody says but i just want people to feel like they have a voice that will be heard on my channel and this last mock we actually had some really good suggestions i don't know if you remember but in one of the cliff sides there was a tree growing out of the site and that was actually a suggestion from one of my somebody who had watched it and so i had i wouldn't have even thought or done that And i think it turned out to be a really cool aspect of the mock but i wouldn't have gotten that without any interaction and i think it's something that has to be encouraged over a long period of time like in the beginning i didn't get a whole lot of feedback but i think the more i uh, encouraged and rewarded people, you know, by giving shout outs and just by thanking people, people started to warm up to the fact that, oh, I can give my opinion and he'll, he'll, he won't brush it aside. He'll, he'll listen. He might not do it, but he'll definitely pay attention to it.
0: And I also, there has to be a timing level involved. Like you say, if like, if I'm doing a video and I'm going to be working on the, the, the landscaping for this piece. Uh, so if someone comes in and goes, what if that mountain was purple? You go, well, that, that, you know, two videos ago that probably would have been, you know, like, so also you probably get comments where, yeah, but that, you know, like we're, you know, like, so you almost in some cases you, you want to, you're, they're kind of going along for the ride, but you also timing is, is really important when it, when it comes to those comments, <laughs> like, this is what I can work out. Like, well, it's a little too late for that one. So then you almost feel like, wow, uh, I almost, I, I didn't realize I'd be disappointing somebody <laughs> with probably a good yes. suggestion, but just a little too late.
1: Yeah, that definitely does happen. Or like, you know, I'll put a certain minifigure in there and then weeks down the line, somebody will suggest a different one. And yeah, that does happen every once in a while. But typically the people who watch my videos get there pretty quickly. And so I I get the feedback I I want. You know, every once in a while you'll get somebody watching a video that you put out four months ago and they'll give you a suggestion. I'm like, well, that mock's (laughs) been taken apart for about three months, but thanks anyways.
0: (laughs) The, um... The audience that you get, are they, do they kind of run the gamut of builders or just folks who just watch? Or do you have some, do you have some folks that do their own stuff and, um, and are just there, like, oh, hey, we're, it's now time for your stream. Here's my stream
1: over there. What, what kind of cons, what do you think your audience consists of? Um, I would say everything you just described right there. I have, you know, the casual viewers, people who, don't necessarily build a whole lot of Lego, but maybe built as a kid, and so really enjoy watching other people build. I have, um, I have a bi- I have a group of people who are uh, YouTubers, such as myself, and we have around the same subscriber count. So we kind of, we, uh, we collaborate. I've invited people on my streams, and then you know go join their streams, give them feedback, and they give me feedback as well. And so we get we get all types of people on my channel. I have a pretty diverse. Um, viewing group a lot of people think you know oh it's Lego Star Wars probably has a lot of kids watching but I actually have a fair amount of people my age uh, as well as people older than me kind of people who just enjoy Lego
0: I'm also kind of curious about as you're building it was you know obviously it all for you starts with the Lego but now you're you know you have an audience you're building a, a brand as it were what are some of the challenges you have faced
1: in building that audience um, I would say learning, like learning who I'm going to target. Because if you try to go out there and target everybody with your videos, you're going to end up reaching nobody. And so, really learning, like, okay, what's my channel going to be about? Like, who am I going to pander to, or not pander to? But who am I? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was a wrong choice of words. But who am I going to target, basically? And so over the years or not years, it's only been a year and a half, but over the months, I've come to learn like, okay, who are the kinds of people that I want to watch my videos? Because, you know, there are people out there that you don't want to attract. There's, you know, trolls, toxic people. And uh, there was also the big thing with YouTube last year was the whole COPPA thing. Uh, I don't know if you're. If, oh, if you're yeah, the children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas there's this whole big thing with like if you're targeting children under the age of 13, you're going to get shut down. And they're pretty vague with like, OK, what targets children under the age of 13? Because, you know, I do Star Wars kids from like eight to adults who are like in their 60s love Star Wars. So that was a really challenging period um, for us. But I've come to learn like I'm. I don't really have an age demographic that I'm targeting. I'm just targeting people who have a similar mind. I want to inspire people to go out there and build, to pick up passions that they've let go of, whether it be Lego drawing. I just want people to see like, just because you're an adult does not mean you, you can't do the things that you enjoy doing as a child. Like I want to help. And then especially people who are also trying to build their channels or build Lego, get better at it. I'm trying to really just help inspire and put out a good message and what are some of the
0: you know in in building it do you have i'm assuming you would have goals as far as where you're going to be and do you think you're where you you should be right now or should you know like does does not do you really pay attention to the numbers then
1: oh yes definitely i'm I'm very analytical. I love to analyze anything I can. And YouTube, you know, sometimes they give me way too much to analyze and I get (laughs) lost in the numbers. You know, I'm like, oh, no, my watch time has gone down, you know, 5% from last month or my watch time went up or my like to dislike ratio changed. But I I, I keep a very close eye on that because I think, you know, uh, when success is measured, it improves drastically. And so I really try to, you know, keep track of like, not just go with the flow of like, well, if I grow, I grow. I really focus on like making sure view time goes up every month uh the amount of hours subscribers and as far as like an ultimate goal i i i really would like to hit 100 000 subscribers i don't know why but that's always just been such a cool number to me like you know you could shoot for a million two million but for me a hundred thousand just would validate this channel show so much to me of like i took this from nowhere and it's you know, 100,000, that's a decent sized channel. That's somebody who has a message, somebody who has a, a big voice, somebody who has a platform that they can really bring about positive change. And so that's kind of been my goal for a while. Um, this year, I've I hit uh, I've hit a, a little bit of a growth spurt. Um, last year, I only gained 230 subscribers, but this year I'm already at 800. So, you know, gained about 600 so far, which has been really cool to see and um, really helps motivate me to keep putting out that content and really work towards that goal because a hundred thousand is a very distant distant goal like that's right right
0: but also when you're getting up into those when when you're getting up into numbers there's also certain numbers where you know ads and ad revenue could play a factor in it is that something also you, you have an eye on down the road as well
1: yeah, that's my current goal is getting my channel monetized. You need uh, 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time, and so I'm getting pretty close to that. And that's a big deal for me because then I can start to help make this channel or hobby, if you want to call it, self-sufficient. That's been one of my biggest goals is to not necessarily, you know, do this as a full-time job. That would be cool, but I really want to, you know, focus on making sure this channel can sustain itself. That I don't have to, you know, put my all my money that I earn with my paychecks into this. I can use uh, ad revenue or other means to kind of help support the channel, which will allow me to build bigger mocks, put out better videos, you know, invest in better camera equipment and stuff like that. And what
0: are some of the other avenues that you are putting the word out about your builds? Now, obviously, it seems like it, you know, the the YouTube is the focus, but I've seen you on Instagram are you in other places that kind of trying to redirect an audience to yourself?
1: Um, Right now it's just YouTube and Instagram. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of social media. I I feel like it's a big time waster and, you know, ends up consuming your life and just putting a bad image of what your life should be. And so I don't have a whole lot of social media, but I do have an Instagram for my YouTube channel. I also do have a merchandise store, that I sell, I sell T-shirts and mugs and stickers and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's YouTube and Instagram.
0: And something you know, one thing you kind of alluded on, you know, with social media, you know, you, whether you're doing you know YouTube or Instagram, you are kind of putting yourself out there. Do, you know, do you feel like you have to kind of regulate how much you know, like especially when you're when you're doing like some of your streams where you're basically you're going, you know, you're talking for long periods of time. Do you have a concern about putting too much of yourself out there? Do you have to kind of guard what goes on? Um, You know, I I know most of us, you know, we have nothing but good experiences, but there can be, Do, do you, do you have to worry about how much of, you know, ether you're putting out there? Um,
1: I do. I do. Definitely. I'm very guarded. Uh, I don't really tell people, you know, where I live, Um, They know like the time zone and stuff, but I'm very careful about like where I live. Um, I try to keep my personal life out of it as much as possible. And that's not really um, that's not really from like a a fear standpoint of like, you know, something bad happening to me. But I want the channel to be about my Legos. Um, I don't want to turn it into like, you know, it's all about me because the Legos (laughs) are what's important. The Legos are what matter. And so I tend to kind of keep my personal life pretty, pretty separate from, uh, my building life. But if people do ask me questions, like I'll tell them about myself, like other hobbies, other interests, dreams and goals I have and stuff like that.
0: And it seems like so far that the audience has, you know, the audience, do you, I'm assuming, do you have like a core audience? Are they fairly transient? Do you have the same people every time? How does, how, how have your audience that you brought along, how are they, how are they kind of growing with you?
1: Yeah. So I've definitely started to, um, gain or form a core audience, you know, people who you see every week on those videos. They like the posts, they, uh, they like the videos, they comment and stuff like that. I do get lots of fringe people, people who are coming in for the first time or just, it gets recommended in their YouTube ads. But I've, that's one thing that I'm very happy with is I get a regular showing of people and we've developed a really cool community. So people, you know, people get to know each other on the streams. They look for other people to join they talk to them and stuff like that. And so uh, what really makes me happy is seeing that core audience. grow. like it's, it's much bigger than it used to be. And it's always, you know, the same people coming out every week and then welcoming new people in, filling people in on what's going on. And for the most part, I have a pretty, uh, pretty mature audience. There isn't a whole lot of name calling or toxicity. I do have moderators on my streams, but they don't really have to do anything just cause the people who are there are there because they want to be there and they want to be part of a, a good community.
0: And something else, you know, this you probably, you know, for a a, a hobby or a a thing that happens, you know, inside the house, you know, the current state of affairs really lend itself to, you know, people filling, you know, they have to fill this time. It does seem like you probably provide a very nice, calm, you know, welcoming area to like, hey, you know, this you can take your mind off of a couple things. And all we're going to focus is on the Lego. you get a lot of comments as far as that, as well as about just being, you know, oh, this is really nice to kind of just kind of chill out to.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, That that's always it always makes me really happy when I see, you know, people talk about how relaxing my voice is or just that like I'm always I've always got good content that they're excited to see. Or um, I've had someone tell me that they'll sit down with their family to watch my videos. And that just makes me super happy because, you know. I think of the good times I've had with my family or friends or whatever, and just the things that they're doing. So to be able to provide that experience for somebody else is um, ultimately one of the reasons why I started YouTube. I wanted to, I felt like there was so much negative content out there that I wanted to use my time and my voice to create something that was, you know, both entertaining and inspiring. Excellent. So what is next? What's the big,
0: what, what, you know, are I know you finished Ryloth. uh, It was a very Gorgeous, gorgeous set piece, really big. But Thanks. what's what are some of the things you're you're kind of planning for the future?
1: Yeah, so um, this year actually, I have probably one of my most ambitious projects ever planned. I just graduated school in June, and so I really have a lot of time to uh, put towards building. And I'm going to be building a scene from the planet Utapau, Star Wars Episode Three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big uh, the big holes in the ground with the cities built into the side of the cliffs. And so this is going to be a very challenging mock for me because it's going to be completely vertical. So instead of just laying out a bunch of base plates and building your scene, I have first have to build this giant, massive uh, column, for lack of a better word, and then build into that. I have to build landing pads. I have to build buildings inside of like these giant holes in the side of the wall. And I have to be able to make those landing pads, be able to hold ships and vehicles and stuff like that. So we're looking at a four to five month, you know, 50 to almost 100,000 piece project in the works. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, and uh it's very, it's making me a little bit nervous. I didn't because <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, I was like, all right, because when I when I pick a project, I pick a project based on something that I really want to build, because if I'm not super passionate about it, I won't be able to finish the project because it's so time consuming. They're expensive. You know, it takes so much out of you. If you're not really excited to finish, you're not going to make it. And so I had to find something that a, I'd be able to finish and B hasn't been done a whole lot because that's, that's one thing that I've really tried to do to help set my channel apart from everybody else's is, okay, he's building something that hasn't been built before. Right. So, uh, like, for example, my Naboo mock was, I think it's only the second or third time anybody's ever built that and put it on YouTube. So it it did pretty well in that regard. And so Utapau is one of those places that people haven't really attempted on a large scale just because of the complexity of the build and the challenge. And so I was like, all right, that's it. It meets both the criteria. I love the planet. And then over these past couple of months, I've started to plan it and I've been like, oh, wow, like I probably should have figured out <laughs> if I could actually do this or not. <laughs> But I mean, I've already announced it. I've already got pieces, so I'm definitely gonna tackle it. Still, seems
0: like the prequels and the Clone Wars, uh, something you kind of lean towards. Is that kind of your favorite era, or you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I grew up with the prequels. Uh, episode one came out when I was about five or six, and so I went and saw that in the theaters. You know, went and saw Attack of the Clones. Absolutely loved the Clone Wars. Um, I do have some original trilogy sets, but definitely I lean towards the Clone Wars scenes. I just love the story of the Clone Wars, all the ships and the vehicles. And, yeah, that's definitely what I I kind of focus around.
0: You're going to be excited then for the Bad Batch uh, series coming out. What do you
1: think of that? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So, um, it seems to be taking place around the the rise of the Empire, so the beginnings of the Empire and them kind of finding their place in that army. I'm interested to see like what, what kind of missions they're going to be doing, if they're going to be tracking down rogue Jedi, if they're going to be helping, you know, integrate clones into the Stormtrooper army. It's a very interesting concept to me just because typically you get either original trilogy or you get Clone Wars. This is one of the, you know, rare ex- rare opportunities we have to see like okay how did they transition because that's that's a massive transition you know going from a galactic republic to a, an empire has got to have a lot of just little things going on a lot of complexity so i'm interested to see like what they're going to do with that
0: and also you have to be kind of excited because and it's probably hard to watch one of these and go oh i want to build that i want to build that so can, can you sometimes separate yourself from
1: the builder and just the just the just the, just the i love it viewer um, sometimes I can. So most of the time I can't, um, it's just, it's just hard not to, for me. I just, my mind thinks Lego after so many years. So, you know, regardless of the movie I'm watching, I kind of, you know, think like, all right, what kind of pieces would I need to build that? Even if I have no intention or desire to build something, it's just kind of like, could I build that? Like, what would it look like? And stuff like that. Excellent.
0: Uh, where can people find you online and check out the videos, check out the Instagram work, where, where can they uh, interact with you
1: Yeah. So, uh, I have, I've got a YouTube channel on YouTube. My YouTube handle is coconut brick studios. You can just type that in the search bar. I'll pop up. Uh, probably see a lot of my channel will pop up first or a bunch of my videos. And then I'm also on Instagram under the same handle coconut brick studios.
0: Excellent. I'd be remiss, uh, as we close things out, coconut brick. Why?
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get asked this question a fair amount. So, um, Back in January of 2019 is when I was kind of I kind of tossed the idea of starting a channel. I was talking to my wife about it. And she was like, yes, you should totally do that. Like you would be good at it. It would be fun. It would be good for you to kind of have something to do with your hobby. And I was like, well, I don't know. And so she was very influential in getting me to start the channel. And she loves coconuts, all things coconut. You know, the, the scent, the taste, it's it's everywhere in our house. And so kind of as a tribute to her, I put coconut in in the name to kind of show like she helped bring this about. And so it's a, a fun little Easter egg for her, I guess.
0: I think if you can get the family on board, you've got a you've got a blueprint for success that allows you to keep on going. That's a, that's a, yeah. that's awesome.
1: She uh, she'll join my streams every so often. I'm beginning to think that she's more popular than me on the streams. <laughs> People join to talk to her, and not necessarily see my builds. Now, <laughs> I
0: was going to say, well, the road to hundred thousand will take many many turns, but however, you get there in the end um right. ethan it's been a pleasure talking to you today and uh I, you know it's like i said it's one of those things i didn't necessarily want to have you speak for the entire uh lego community but i really like your your neck of the woods uh it's you know like like i said in finding in finding the youtube videos and and just kind of seeing your progression because uh, i i, I you know, interacted with you first on instagram and you kind of see these and it's kind of fun watching this progression of people kind of taking their passion and sharing it, but also fostering a little bit of community on their own and kind of making this uh, a little nicer place out there. So I just want to say thank you very much, and I wish you all the success.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. I was super, super excited when I you know, <laughs> when I got your message just because, um, I don't know, I really enjoy talking with people who are passionate about the same thing. Me and you have two very different mediums with cards and Legos, but it's, it's all based around the same galaxy, the same community. And so I, I hope I was able to shed a little bit of light on, you know, the Lego Star Wars community and what we're about.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Once again, my thanks to Ethan for being on the program tonight. It was a pleasure to get a chance to talk to him and find out more about Coconut Brick Studios and definitely check out the YouTube channel. It's really, really cool. If you have any feedback for tonight's episode, you can reach out to the program in a number of ways. You can leave a comment on the Instagram post for this episode. You can also DM me on Instagram, at RebelBaseCard. On Twitter, you can also find me at RebelBaseCard, as well as Facebook. You can email the program, greg at rebelbasecard.com. You can also find the show notes for this and all episodes on the website, rebelbasecard.com. In the Star Wars Card Trader app, you can find me at cornfedtech. I use the hashtag card squadron, not only to put out the word on cool cards and card collecting, but a way to bring the community a little closer together. We collect, communicate, and commiserate when we run out of credits and crystals to spend in the app. Join in on the fun. Plus, well, all the other cool squadron names were already taken. We collect as one and would be honored if you would join us. And if you were a sketch card artist or a Star Wars artist or collector, cosplayer, and want to talk about your work, your craft, your passion, Drop me a line, maybe we can work something out. I'd love to get a chance to hear your story. You can also help out the program by leaving a comment and review on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast from. Otherwise, keep those cards out of the hands of the Empire folks, and I'll talk to you soon. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.